Should Coach Whittingham have put in Nate Johnson after Bryson Barnes had started to struggle in the Rose Bowl? We're talking about it on today's Locked On Utes. You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Lockdown Utes your first listen every single day. We are available on all platforms, including YouTube. Appreciate all of you guys who have liked and subscribed to our show. We've had an outstanding couple weeks with our Rose Bowl covers, so thank you. Can't thank you guys enough for all that you have done for the show. You guys can follow me at JT Wistersill on Twitter, or you can follow the show at Locked On Utes. My name is JT Wistersill, former intern inside the University of Utah Athletic Department. On today's show, we're going to be diving into the decision not to play Nate Johnson on the Rose Bowl. Also talking about the Utes wide receiver coach and Chad Bumpus leaving, Mahmoud Diabate going to the NFL. There's a lot of things to dive into, and in order to help us dissect it all, we have friend of the show joining us in Dante Guardi of Ute Zone. And Dante, first just talking about should Nate Johnson have played in the Rose Bowl. I'm going to say just to that simple point, yes, he absolutely should have played. There were packages in place for him. There were different plays they had set up just to get him involved. I'm sure there were things like even in like the Pac-12 championship game where he ended up catching the ball in that. It's been quite the season for Nate. He's ran in touchdowns, he's thrown the ball, he's caught the ball. Just a versatile weapon for this team to use this year. And with Cam's future still up in the air, we don't know if he's going to be, if Nate's going to have a chance to be the starting quarterback. Next year, he might have a chance to start the first few games as we don't even know how long Cam's going to be out for if he does return, assuming he does come back. But he's a versatile guy who can do a lot of different things. So I think it makes sense that a lot of people want to see him. I will say, I think... It was the right decision to roll with Bryson when Cam got hurt. We should have seen more of Nate, and especially I just think multiple times we should have seen him. I wouldn't have just put him in one time and taken him out, especially with Bryson struggling. But as Coach Whittingham said, Bryson had gotten all the reps with the twos in practice. That hadn't changed throughout the season. And with how, and look, I think Bryson right now, I trust him dropping back to throw the ball more than I do Nate Johnson just at this moment because he's done it so many times against college defenses in games. It was the best secondary Utah's played in a few years, to your point, something that you mentioned in last week's show, and I think it would have been really not fair to Nate to ask him to go in there and drop back a bunch of times and try to dissect a defense that was already dominating in a lot of aspects of that game in the second half when it felt like they got rolling against Bryson. So I don't think it would have been fair to put Nate in and ask him to start and kind of carry the group, but I definitely think he should have played some, and I think he would have helped out Bryson a lot. And there's this Utah offense as they really started to struggle. Yeah, I think you hit the nail right on the head. Uh, no disagreement whatsoever. If anything, I'm 100% on the exact same track as you are. For me, though, it was when it was 28-14, when you kind of get the sense that, yeah, this is out of reach with Bryson Barnes in the game. You might as well give Nate Johnson a shot. You know, he's one of the fastest players on the team, if not the fastest. He's going to give you that spark that Bryson just, just simply can't do. You know, maybe he breaks up a big play, changes the momentum, something like that. But I do agree to your point with putting in Bryson once Cam goes down. Because putting in Nate would have been extremely unfair. To your point, having him drop back a bunch of times against that secondary that was already dominating would have just been way too unfair for a player who's only thrown one pass the entire season. Um, and maybe it would have helped out a little bit to get some more some more of those packages in, some design runs, things like that, just to get a big play, get the ball rolling a little bit. But when it was 28-14, when it really seemed like Utah, the game was just out of reach for Utah, I, I would have loved to see Nate Johnson. And I, I really would have. Um, just because he has that big playability, he has that spark plug type impact that he can make on this offense um it would have been unfair to throw him at the beginning but i definitely would have loved uh to see him come in and see what he could do because obviously the offense just became stagnant once uh, once cam went down 
really did become stagnant. And I do think it would have been fun just to see some of those in those opportunities to not just have Nate run the ball, but maybe even one play everyone's expecting him to run. You leave him in and then have him drop back and just see what he is able to do and see if, look, maybe the defensive backs are maybe a little more lax and one of the youth receivers is able to create separation on the outside, something they struggled with for a lot of the game. But as you were saying, Nate is a guy who can do a lot of different things and his versatility might have helped out there. I think a lot of people this week just talking about uh, Bryson have really been piling on Bryson. And look, Bryson did not perform well, but let's not act like everyone else on Utah was executing either. The Penn State defensive line won their matchup against the Utes offensive line in a lot of different instances in this game. The Utes wide receivers on the outside, I felt like they struggled to create separation a lot in key moments. Uh, just different opportunities there where it felt like it was more of a, to me, it was more a failure on the offense as a whole. Andy Ludwig deserves blame for that as well. Then it was Bryson Barnes coming in and it's like, oh, we're dead. I mean, when Cam exited the game, I do, I still, I thought Cam was playing pretty well and doing a lot of things, especially with his legs, but it's not like Cam was in there dicing up the defense. So I didn't really expect Bryson to come in there and all of a sudden light it up. Yes. He had this magical moment against, against Ohio state in the Rose bowl last season. But even that, it felt like there was a reason that, that obviously Bryson, he had to still fight and earn his spot for the backup quarterback job. Bryson is a really good quarterback. You can see how much the offense changed with him under center against Washington state still. And he's a very effective backup. He's perfect as a backup in terms of he can win you some games against some inferior opponents, but he, sh it was never really realistic for him to come in. That's why it was such an unbelievable story last year is because you don't see those kind of things happen for a walk on guy to come in and do that against Ohio state. And it was incredible. And part of the reason he was able to do some of that too, is because you have a guy in Dalton Kincaid out there who Utah obviously missed on offense in this one. So I felt like Bryson was put in a tough spot. No, he did not. He made a bad interception. No, he did not play particularly well, but I think there's a lot of reasons that he didn't play well that aren't just on him. Yeah. To put the blame on Bryson completely is just ridiculous. Uh, first and foremost, you, you saw the way Cam was playing. I mean, half of his yards came on that one long pass. That was kind of a fluky pass to begin with extremely underthrown. Yep. Devon made a nice adjustment to Welcome. the ball and the, the the corner safety whoever it was kind of tripped on his own feet and uh just wasn't there to make a play so i mean that's where half your yards are coming from from a kind of broken play that was not really executed the way utah would have loved it um to be executed um so to put the entire blame on bryson is just simply unfair it's simply unfair uh like you were saying receivers weren't creating a lot of separation i thought andy ludwig did him absolutely zero favors i thought he um could have definitely called a much better game in terms of just game script, when to run, when to pass, not necessarily the plays themselves because Penn State had just had everything read like a book. You know, they came into the game extremely well prepared. They were extremely assignment sound. I don't think we've seen a team defensively um, on Utah's schedule this year that was as sound assign, uh, assignment sound as that team was. You know, they had everything read like a book. It was it was ridiculous the amount of separation that um, Utah was unable to create against that secondary. I've never seen anything like it before, especially not this season, especially not with a Utah team that has the talent that this one does. So hats off to Penn State. Um, Andy Diaz came in with a really good game plan. James Franklin yes. did as well. And I mean, on the other side of the ball, Sean Clifford was just absolutely manipulating Utah's DBs left and right with his eyes. I mean, it wasn't even really their receivers. The receivers did a fine job, but Sean Clifford especially was just absolutely slicing and dicing this Utah defense, um, unlike we've seen a quarterback do uh, this season, I would say. I mean, even Caleb Williams was a lot more broken plays kind of in the backfield doing his things you can out players and kind of throwing guys open whereas sean clifford was doing everything in the pocket he was keeping it very compact i would say and just kind of doing everything with his eyes um just mixing it up and getting everyone involved you know we saw a bunch of different guys get involved for penn state mitch tinsley scored a touchdown uh lambert smith scored a touchdown so the props to penn state you know props to penn state that's the main storyline for me uh they just played a really good game their defense was assignment sound sean clifford made all the right reads all the right decisions as much as it was 
unfortunate to see you talk about with a loss. It was it was nice to see Sean Clifford go out with a moment like he did because um, he's been a player that's gotten a lot of slander throughout his career for mm-hmm. for no good reason. You know, there's been a lot of guys, a lot of pundits, kind of uh, who bag on Sean Clifford a good amount, and it was nice to see him get that moment because he really wanted to play in the Rose Bowl. I, I said it when I came on this show. Uh, right after the matchup was announced, like he posted on his Instagram, like a video of him at like the Rose when he was like seven years old, like right after the, right after the matchup got announced. So he was really excited to be there. It was nice to go out with, with his moment and props to Penn state once again. And uh, to put the blame on Bryson for this, for this loss is um, definitely the last possible thing I would, I would do. And the last possible thing I'd want to see anyone do really, because I mean, it's a, it's a team game and you're only as strong as your weakest link. And uh, Utah was simply just not up to the task uh, in the Rose bowl this time around. And, um, hopefully we get to see him in the Rose Bowl again next year, and hopefully we're on the right side of that one. Especially for those of us who love college football, I think it is so great that you have those guys where they still see this game how I think a lot of the fans use it, where a lot of players do opt out, and it's nothing against those players who do opt out, but obviously as fans, we want to see everyone the best of the best play in the Rose Bowl, so it gets us excited when we care about the game as much as the players who do want to be in there and playing it, and once again, that's not a shot at anyone for opting out. It's just cool to see those kind of moments for a guy in Sean Clifford who really dreamed about getting in this moment, and it mattered so much for him, and in some ways, I look, I someone I was at the game I stayed to watch the trophy presentation because I'm enough of a fan of college football that I enjoy those moments where those teams get to celebrate even with my team who ends up losing I'm enough of a football fan where I can enjoy and appreciate those moments and it's something that Sean Clifford and Penn State got to enjoy we're going to talk about the Rose Bowl a little bit more later but we got to relate talk about some news that relates to Utah football as they've had a couple of personnel and coaching changes going on as the offseason starts to get underway but before we dive into all of that we got to tell you guys about our friends and the sponsor of this episode and BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis this season. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From pro football to the two college football games we have remaining, it's so sad that we're almost at the end, but we still got a couple more going. Also, college basketball, NBA, NHL, they've got it all at BetOnline.net. There's even sports podcasts. They're the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, so make sure you guys head to the website today or use a mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Dante, the Utes got some tough news this morning when it was found out that Chad Bumpus was going to be leaving the program per one of the college breaking news guys and Ross Dellinger. He reported that, um, well, first, uh, Coach Bumpus just announced he was leaving. I don't think he actually said his destination in there, but Ross tweeted out the of Sports Illustrated that Mississippi State is targeting Utah receiver coach Chad Bumpus to join the offensive staff. Sources tell Bumpus is the second all-time leading receiver in Bulldogs history. Anytime you can come home, it makes a lot of sense, right? I appreciate Coach Bumpus for being all in on this program. Unlike I look at a guy like Mario Cristobal and everything that kind of transpired there when he had the opportunity to go home and kind of that weird, the weird way it all played out. But um, just look at his tweet. You can see how much it meant to him to get an opportunity with Utah. He has a great relationship with the coaches. He had a nice Jim Hardy gave him a nice post and they kind of had a nice little uh, moment in one of the Rose Bowl photos too that I thought was really cool. And he's only been here for two years, but man, did it feel like he made quite the impact. I look, I feel like guys like Devon Vele, you got to credit Devon for how he bought in and evolved his game but coach bumpus i think deserves a lot of credit for that look at the guys like money parks jalen dixon have one of his bet one of his better seasons with the team this past year and look there's a bunch of young receiver talent that coach bumpus helped bring into utah that look i mean i guess we're going to see more transfer windows and things like that open so maybe some of those guys will want to follow him at the moment they're still going to stay with the team as far as we know so i think he deserves a lot of credit for helping build those guys and in developing a lot of the players but just a guy who seemed like he was one of the um, just brought a lot of joy to this room, a lot of passion, a lot of energy. And I think he's really going to be missed on the offensive side of the ball because he was only here for two years and still made quite the impact. Yeah, there's certainly no hard feelings with this move. You know, like you said, going back home, 
the yeah. second leading receiver in Bulldogs history. If anything, I mean, that's a great move for him. I've uh, yeah. got to be, got to be happy for him. You know I mean? That's like, that's like putting into this into perspective, like myself or you getting a job opportunity to go be the wide receivers coach at Utah. You know, that would be exactly. a huge opportunity. It doesn't matter. doesn't matter what school it Which is. I'm I mean, very it qualified be, for. I'd like to throw yeah, in there for of course, of course, now. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, like just any time that you get to go back to the school that you perform so well at, it's a huge opportunity. And obviously he would be, I think it would be it would be dumb for him not to take that, you know, personally. Mm-hmm. Just that's an awesome opportunity. So really happy for him, and really happy that he went about it uh, much better than Mario Cristobal did uh, yes. during his homecoming. Because uh, obviously, Coach Bumpus was all business um, within that move, and he did some really good, great things for the program. Like you said, Jalen Dixon's the player that kind of sticks out to me because mm-hmm. he didn't have to come back. I mean, he was in the transfer portal in Utah, welcomed back with open arms, and I mean, he had gone through a lot uh, during the course of his college career. So to see him end it on a high note, obviously scored that touchdown late in the Rose Bowl, uh, which was nice to see. And he had a lot of really great moments this year. He's being used in a lot of different uh, ways. So I think he's the player that you got to look at when you uh, really take into account what Coach Bumpus did at the U. And then obviously Devon Vele's uh, progression has been nice to see, as well as some other guys. Like you said, Money Parks as well. You know, I feel like the wide receivers were much more involved uh, this year than they had been in years past, whereas it was just more people. Like beforehand, it was one or two guys always just getting the majority of the shares, whereas this year it was – you got different guys stepping up in each and every game, which was really cool to see. And I think he did a really good job developing that room. And obviously the players were very, uh, very grateful for him. And um, obviously nice. It's just, just nice to see him go out um, in a business like manner and uh, not have, not have to cause anything weird and uh, awkward for the program. And obviously hats off to him for a, for a tremendous uh, short stint at Utah and best of luck at Mississippi state. Yeah, it's a great opportunity for him, and it'll be exciting to see what he does and monitor his tenure with the Bulldogs to see how it goes. We'll talk about candidates for the Utah wide receiver coaching position another day, but we got to talk about another departure as it relates to this Utah football team as Mahmoud Diabate, you know, came over from Florida. This always felt like it was a one-year thing. I think uh, you remarked before, and I was surprised by it too, that we kind of thought he was done regardless um, because of the COVID year still. He would have had an extra year back, but he did dis- decide to declare for the NFL draft officially um, for Diabate, just talking about the past year he's had with this team. Um, there were a lot of ups and downs, I think we would say overall, but um, he did a really good job, I thought, in some key moments, providing pressure, still made some big-time hits, some big-time stops. 58 total tackles on the season, 32 of those solo, five sacks, a forced fumble, too, was able to defend one pass. I think he struggled more in coverage, I would say, than he did in terms of stopping the run. Was still over-aggressive in a couple times and cost the Utah defense, but hey, he's also a reason a lot of the times this season had strong, a strong red zone defense. I look at the Oregon State game. He was instrumental in a couple of those stops when he just can pin his head back and go not just in terms of as a blitzer but also just in terms of like when he knows another team's going to be running the ball and he sees exactly where the play is going to happen when he uses that speed and strength combination he's a really tough linebacker and I think it'll be interesting to see what his NFL future holds I think personally he's going to kind of go back to that outside linebacker mold um I'm sure there'll be a little concerns with maybe the height aspect of things there, but I just think his speed off the edge is where he's best at and this past season for Utah I still think he did a lot of nice things and um, I think he was a key contributor for this team. And I think when you look at like just what the expectations were when he came over, I think in a lot of ways he still helped, still did his job and was a part of this team. I know it's kind of hard for me to say right now if it was like, well, did he exceed expectations? I don't know about that, but he made a lot of big time plays for this team that helped them win the Pac-12 championship and just got them in that position. So hats off to Diabate for a successful one year with the Utes. And now hopefully he can go and get himself drafted. Yeah, when you think of grad transfer, it's usually one year. But with Diabate, apparently he had another year of eligibility to use, didn't use it. Um, so 
props to him for a good college career. You know, he did his thing at Florida, made some tremendous plays for the Utes over this past season as well. But when he first transferred here, a lot of people were looking at him as kind of that Devin Lloyd replacement. And when I actually broke down his overall profile and his his film, really, that wasn't really apparent to me. I, I kind of looked at him as more of the Mika Tafua replacement. I kind of looked at him and Gabe Reed together kind of trying to mimic what Mika Tafua did the season prior, which was he had 88 pressures. 88 total pressures is a fantastic number. That's A1, just top-tier pass rushing production. So I thought with him and Gabe Reed both there, they could kind of mimic that. And I think they did just that. I think they did a fantastic job off the edge. Gabe Reed led the team in pressures. Mohamed Diabate led the, lead, led the team in sacks. So, I mean, you kind of got what you were looking for. You kind of got what you wanted. And you look at the, the Pac-12 championship game, countless pressures, countless sacks. Mm-hmm. You look at the Oregon State game, like you said, against the run. I think he had five tackles for losses, something like that, a very good number to have. So he had a very good season. I'd say he met expectations um, in my book. And I mean, when you look at just the length that he provides and uh, the speed that he provides off the edge, he could totally make an impact on an NFL roster. It'll be interesting to see how he goes about the combine, because I do think that he could be one of those players who ends up moving up draft boards during the combine just because he should test well. Yeah, he's definitely quicker than most defensive ends, definitely quicker than most linebackers. Uh, He's got some good length as well. So definitely more of a combine guy um, than a a film guy, I'd say. And then when you look at that in the NFL, it's going to be interesting to see how that projects because you really never know with these players, especially on the defensive side of the ball. It just depends on the scheme, uh, depends on just how they fit. And I think that he's a player that has a tremendous tremendous blend of length and athleticism to him. And I could totally see him making making a positive impact for a team. But as for the, his Utah career, I'd say he met expectations and did a very good job um, manning that versatile role as kind of an off-ball linebacker and a middle linebacker at the same time and um, just stoked for the future. You know, I mean, obviously he had a great career, but it's going to be interesting to see how we replace him and retool, not rebuild. You're right. It wasn't fair if people kind of come into the season to look at him in a vacuum and be like, oh, this is the Devin Lloyd replacement because they were different players. And I think they contributed in very different ways. And in obviously in Diabate's case, he contributed in his own way and was a huge instrument and a big help to this Utah team. So props to him. And hopefully he's able to have that success at the next level. We're going to come back and close it out with a little bit more Rose Bowl talk in a moment. But first, I want to talk to you guys about our friends at Built Bar. Looking for a delicious treat but don't want all of the fat and calories? Then you gotta try Built Bar. We just got through the holidays, and I know my goal is to eat a little healthier this year. If you're like me, where you want to eat healthier but don't want to compromise taste, then man, I've got the thing for you. You gotta try Built. With Built, healthy is actually tasty. Seriously, they're delicious. You won't think they're good for you but they actually are. They're perfect for your New Year's resolution. What makes Built Bar so good? Well, for starters, they're all covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievably flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. There are so many great things to love about Built Bar. So make sure you guys head to your local store today and check out Built Bar's lineup of healthy protein bars that are ooey gooey and taste so good. So make sure you guys head over and check out all the great things going on at Built Bar today. All right, Dante, coming back into this one. We've talked about the Rose Bowl a little bit. But I think overall, we had you on last week. You thought it would be a little bit of a lower scoring game. Um, it ended up going. It ended up being a little that ball, it stretched out a little late because of kind of you know Utah kind of had a late garbage time score. I'm sure some people would try to argue with that, but the last drive with Bryson really did kind of feel like a lot of Penn State's other guys were in at that point. It felt like it just didn't matter as much by that time. The Nittany Lions were up by 21 in in the game, so it was just a tough one for the Utes in that regard. But I think when I look back on the game, the biggest things I've talked about this past week have been. You know, those two big touchdowns were so critical. Obviously, Cam's injury really marred marred and made it difficult on this offense. But what was your biggest takeaway from being at the Rose Bowl and watching it live? Yeah, just the chunk plays. You know, I mean, even that drive that put Penn State up 14-7, I think that he had 
Sean Clifford had two or three passes of 20-plus yards, something like that. So, I mean, he just did a really good job slicing the dice in this Utah secondary in a way that, like I said, I haven't really been able to – I haven't seen them be sliced before. You know, like I said, when they have been um, at fault, it's been just a lot of Caleb Williams spinning in the backfield, extending plays, and when the defensive line can't get pressure after seven, eight seconds, somebody's bound to get open, whereas this time around it was just – Sean Clifford really looked like an NFL quarterback, really looked like an NFL quarterback, really confident in his arm, really confident in everything he did. And Penn State's offensive line did a pretty good job blocking as well. I know Utah got back there. I think we had three sacks and uh, seven tackles for losses. So did a fine job in that department. But like on, on those early downs when we were kind of expecting Penn State to lean more towards the run and they would end up passing, Sean Clifford did a really good job of using his eyes and just manipulating this defense. And then, like I said, the two chunk plays, the 287, the 87 and the 88 yard touchdown, obviously not super helpful. Um, I wouldn't really blame those on Morgan Scally, though. I think it was just blown assignments. Stuff happens. You know, that's just, yeah, I mean, that's just how it goes. Um, Really unfortunate because, I mean, RJ's a player that's been really good for us down the stretch of the season. You know, he had that that crucial pick in the Pac-12 championship game. And to, to, I, I would just hate to see people kind of paint his Utah career with this one game. Because he was so exactly. much more than that. Yes. He had a very good season. He had a very good season. This one game does not define him. So, as I said, I, I would not like to see fans try to paint the picture of the Rose Bowl being the defining moment in RJ Hubert's Utah football career because it simply wasn't. You know, I, I, I look back at the pick that he had against USC, and sure, the, you could say the game was kind of out of hand at that point, which it kind of was, but I think that was the real nail in the coffin in that game. That was the real moment that I think solidified for a lot of us that Utah was going to be back-to-back Pac-12 champions. And he had, had a lot of other good moments throughout the year as well. So I, I would hate to see people bag on him for just a couple of bad plays because it really just was a couple of bad plays. Outside of those that 87, 88-yard touchdown, Utah's defense played fine. Like, yep. they've really played fine. Um, I mean, it, teams are going to score on drives. That's just how football yeah. goes. But, I mean, 35 points and you give them an 87 and 88-yard 88 88 touchdown, without both those plays, they only score 21 points. So to 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 put it into a short short words, I mean, just simply put – Chunk plays killed us. That's that's the that's the main takeaway for me, and I think that should be the main takeaway for everyone else as well. Because without those two plays, the game would have been a lot closer. Who knows? Maybe Utah squeaks out a W or something. But um, yeah. the chunk plays are just what killed us, and that was kind of the kind of the kind of the the downfall of Utah's defense over the entire course of the year. Like if you look at back at the games where things just didn't go right, um, it was chunk plays. You know, the ones that come to mind is. DTR having that 70 yard drag route. I mean, he's running like one yard past line of scrimmage, turns up for 70. That was kind of the nail in the coffin in that game. And then against Florida, not necessarily the nail in the coffin, but Anthony Richardson going like zero to 60 within a second and just burning us down that, that sideline for that 45 yard touchdown. Um, just chunk plays were just kind of what killed us throughout the course of this year. And um, I wouldn't blame that on the defense coordinator. I think Morgan Scally didn't do a bad job by any means calling this game. I know there were probably a couple plays here and there, but there was yeah. nothing really too outstanding to me in my opinion i think that if we're going to put the blame on a on a coach i think andy ludwig is kind of the kind of the one to do that i don't think morgan scally is i think it was just just blown assignments not necessarily bad calls um but uh yeah i mean it was just just an odd game you know because it kind of felt like it kind of felt like it was closer than it really was i mean just those two plays it wasn't like penn state was dominating it was just two plays that went in their favor and utah just couldn't couldn't match that and uh, obviously being without your your quarterback doesn't help at all but i i don't think that I would. I hate to be the guy to blame it. Um, to blame blame a loss on the quarterback being hurt, but obviously it doesn't help. But like I said, you win as a team, you lose as a team. You're only as strong as your weakest link, and um, that just proved to be proved to be pivotal in this matchup for Utah. Whereas Penn State, they brought the energy. I want to say yeah. that as well. They really brought the energy. Their players mm-hmm. clearly wanted to be there, and they were they were yeah. they were extremely excited. So uh, I was glad that Utah was able to play a program like that, not like Ohio State where they got guys opting out left and right, stuff like that. So 
Um, hats off to Penn State. They played, they played a tremendous game. They clearly wanted to be there. They brought the energy. Um, and James Franklin came in with a tremendous game plan, and they executed it to a T. So hats off to them, as I've said. They really were outstanding in a lot of ways, Penn State was. And I think you're exactly right, though, talking about, look, I've said all week, I think Penn State still would have won the game if Cam Rising was healthy. But you I. can't say Utah wouldn't have had a chance in it. Or if you're telling me Utah in, let's say, some alternate reality, um, Utah does find a way to win. That's not surprising to me. I'm come on. This is Cam Rising. This is Utah. Look at all the deficits and the crazy things they overcame. They made a 17-3 to halftime deficit in the Pac-12 championship game against a top-five team disappear like that. So this yeah. is a team capable of making those crazy comebacks, those crazy plays and making things happen because Cam is just one of those guys who can make the impossible things like he did against USC the first time around with that incredible performance. So it does suck that a chance of that was sucked away. And to your point too, because we've obviously maligned the Utah defense a lot this week, and I still feel like Penn State would have had success, some successful drives on him, but it does suck those two plays were so big. And it just reminds you the importance of football. It's why we all love seeing those, um, the views from, you know, each team's media department has those um, sideline cameras and all these different things kind of tracking and watching. And why did they film every single play so we get those views? Because every single play matters. And all it takes is that one play where three guys don't do their job. That's why Bill Belichick and so many guys preach do your job because when that doesn't happen and three guys make a mistake or even one guy sometimes, that's all it takes to completely change a game. And on two plays, in particular that's what happened for utah and now they find themselves in this tough position where you come off back-to-back -back rose bell losses but overall as a program i think you still have to feel good about the position that utah is in because hey they just won two back to back to back pack 12 championships best recruiting class of all time coming in as well so uh -huh. a lot of things to be excited about one game isn't a thing to dwell on you know these guys accomplished a lot this year I mean, if you told me seven, eight years ago that Utah be back-to-back Pac-12 champions, I would have called yeah. them crazy. Simply I put, I mean, I thought when we beat BYU in the BYU and Colorado State in back-to-back -back Vegas Bowls, like that was that was the uh, the, the top tier that we would get to. But um, super happy that I was wrong in that department, and that uh, guys like Tyler Huntley, Zach Moss paved the way for the players who are who are balling out for us now and and putting Utah over the top. Because without this team, I guarantee you we wouldn't be getting as many good recruits as we are right now. And those are the guys that we're going to be cheering for uh, down down the stretch over the next few years, and the guys that will hopefully lead us to more Pac-12 championships. So a lot of things to be happy about with this program. One game doesn't define it. And I mean, and I mean, it's not like Penn State is like some some god squad. That's what the other thing I want to say. Like if these two teams were to play five times. Maybe Utah wins six times. Maybe Penn State wins six times. Like these two teams are very exactly. even, in my opinion. Like there's yep. nothing to be super, super ashamed about. Um, Penn State played a really good game. That's 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 what it was. Then they're a very good football team. There's nothing to be ashamed about. This team accomplished so much this year. Uh, just think about all the good times. You know, like even the Oregon State game. I mean, that was a top 15 win. Eventually, we beat them by 26 points. And then same yep. thing with the two USC wins. Those were both amazing as well. So just a lot of really good moments to be happy about for this season and just carry that momentum in next year because obviously it's going to start with a couple of. Uh, talented football teams we got we got florida coming to rice cycles and then on baylor so a lot of things to be excited about and utah football is only trending upward one loss is not going to tear this program down there's a lot to look forward to just like we always look forward to having you on the pod dante make sure you guys give dante Appreciate a part follow at dante guardi on twitter and check him out for his work at utezone.com also if you guys are in the market for a second listen every single day make sure you check out locked on sports today the biggest stories in sports the take of the day the game recaps you guys are looking for all available on locked on sports today available on odyssey youtube or wherever you get your podcast we want to thank you guys again for making locked on news your first listen every single day and we'll see you tomorrow